What's up, guys? I'm Tyler, and this is the Call of the Audible podcast. Got a lot for you today after Wildcard Weekend. Got my top five performances from Wildcard Weekend at every position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and my top five teams. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Nickelodeon broadcast, how interesting that was. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the games that we just saw, the games that we will see next weekend. Um, and we'll talk about you know Deshaun Watson, the trade situation over there. A little bit about Doug Peterson. The news just coming out, you know, 15 minutes before I recorded this, that he is out as the Eagles coach. Um, kind of going to compare it to a situation that we saw in the NBA. Uh, but first, I want to talk about my Tyler's Top 5 with a twist. You know, coming into the postseason, going to change up Tyler's Top 5 a little bit. Each round of the playoffs, I'm going to give you my Top 5 performers of the weekend and so we're going to start with that so just wild card performances which means you know Mahomes and Rodgers won't uh, or any of the Kansas City Green Bay teams and players that were on a bye won't be featured here and you know next week they'll be in contention but just the teams and players that played this weekend and had good performances will be mentioned and it'll be the same for next weekend clean slate now so quarterbacks Josh Allen had a great weekend uh Three touchdowns, over 300 yards offense, I think over 350 yards offense, um, and beat a really good defense, a really good coaching staff, um, and you know, a young quarterback to, in his second crack at the playoffs, to play this well and to beat this good of a team this close, um, that's big time for Josh Allen. Tom Brady, doing what we've seen Tom Brady do his entire career is just really lead um, his team up and down the field, get them into and out of the right plays. Um Washington has a very good defensive line, a very good defense really overall, especially that front seven or eight, um, a couple of good corners and safeties over there. So Brady beat an impressive defense. The offense on the other side definitely helped keep points off the board for Brady and the Bucks to manage the game better. Um, but, you know, he, he just got them into and out of the right plays. And what the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did this weekend is exactly what they need to continue to do through the playoffs and into next season. Brady threw, I think, 40 passes, and they gave their starting running back 19 carries, and they gave their backup running back five carries. You need to, um, you need to have uh, one or two running backs, one that can carry the ball, you know, 20 times, and that I think that's Fournette. Honestly, you need to change a pace back, and I think that might be Ronald Jones. Maybe Jones is the starter, and Fournette's to change a pace, and you need some sort of a receiving back. Um, and you know they can go and find that, but you need you need two or three running backs who can play and who you can depend on in key moments, um, and just through over the course of the game. And so Brady was able to find that some sort of consistency with Fournette at running back this weekend, and uh, just looked really good. You know, used Cameron Brait well, used Mike Evans well, used Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown well, and so Brady had a great weekend. Baker Mayfield probably had the best weekend of all the quarterbacks. I got to say these are not ranked, so I'm just kind of giving my top five because, you know, different circumstances um, call for guys to be ranked differently, so I just decided not to. Um, but Baker Mayfield probably, if I had to rank him, would be number one. Um, in his first playoff game, he was the 0-16 draft pick of the Browns. In his first playoff game, his first crack at it, he beat a team that he was playing for the third time. He went through adversity. He didn't have his head coach, and he didn't have a starting guard. You know, he did so well. Three touchdown passes, and just like Brady, just led his team. Got him into and out of the right plays. Um, got Nick Chubb the ball. Got Kareem Hunt the ball. Got his tight ends the ball. Um, got Jarvis Landry the football early. And, you know, he didn't make any mistakes. And Baker's made some mistakes. Um, 
you know, on and off the field, which I hate talking about because I think Baker's such a great player and I think he's, um, you know, a great guy and all that. And he's just uh, fascinating, really. But Baker had a great weekend and did everything that he could for the Browns to win, and it worked out, and they won by 11. Lamar Jackson getting over that false narrative. I hated the narrative that he can't win in the playoffs or that uh, he can't come from behind. And he did both this weekend. Um, you know, I tend to agree a little bit more with the come from behind one just because of how their offense is built. But, you know, that's no fault of Lamar Jackson. That's what his strengths are. Um, and he's done very well at improving upon those. Um, but Lamar has just done um, very well. He did very well against uh, the Titans that they played. You know, it's a bad defense, so we got to see it next week against the Buffalo defense. But I thought Lamar had a great weekend. It looked so good running the ball. Um, you know, in key moments, I noticed that Lamar Jackson just showed up. Breeze also had a good weekend, um, two touchdowns in the air. And it's also it's kind of similar to the Tampa Bay thing. You know, coming out of the same division, they, they're playing similar football. You have one running back that you can give the ball to, you know, 20 or so times. I think they gave it to Kamara like 22 times. Um, and, you know, you can pass 40 times because your quarterback's good at throwing the ball. But you also got to have that second-form offense. And they are so dynamic. And so Breeze had a great weekend getting the ball to Kamara getting the ball to Latavius Murray, Michael Thomas back catching touchdown passes, getting the ball to you know his two tight ends, uh, the rookie and the vet, Jared Cook and Adam Troutman. So uh, I thought Breeze just had a very good weekend. Cam Akers also for the Rams, you know, touched the ball I think 28 times for over well over 100 yards, um, just tore up my Seahawks defense, which is supposed to be one of the best in the league at you know stopping the run. Did not see whatever people are saying about that this weekend at all. Uh, just embarrassing, but Akers had a good weekend. Fournette, like I said with the Brady thing, just was there and able to be consistent. 19 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown. He had a good weekend. And he's going to get starting looks at the end of this year. It might be in Tampa Bay, and it might be somewhere else, but I think he's going to be number one on a depth chart next year, especially if he keeps playing like this through the playoffs. Alvin Kamara, uh, usually more of a threat in the receiving game, but he looked very good running the ball this weekend. Shows you how dynamic he can be and how he can change his game based on the defense they're playing. Um, so I thought Kamara had a great, great weekend, um, and he looked just really good against the Bears. Then I'm going to give it to the two Cleveland backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Both um, had touchdowns. Nick Chubb obviously looks better on the stat sheet, had more catches, had more touches, and more yards. But, you know, Nick uh, Nick Chubb had a great weekend, and so did Kareem Hunt. Uh, Kareem Hunt had those two early touchdowns that really, I feel like the game was sort of iced in the second or third quarter and due in large part um, to Kareem Hunt getting it in, in key moments on the goal line and, you know, making plays that looked broken into nice touchdown runs he had one where he was getting chased by three or four Steelers and headed towards the sidelines and he was able to cut it back up and head to the end zone I thought that was a great run and that might be a little bit of a bias just because that was such a great run but that definitely got him here so I thought Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both had a great weekend and were both pivotal um, in in the Browns winning over the Steelers wide receivers I thought Diggs had a great weekend had, I think, six catches for 128 yards and a touchdown. Um, playing that good Colts defense, he showed up and showed out in the playoffs like he has for so long. DK Metcalf also had a good weekend. You know, those really good Russell Wilson plays typically end up going to DK Metcalf, and so he was on the receiving end. Um, you know, looked fed up on the sidelines and was able to actually perform very well. Um, it wasn't enough, but I thought Metcalf had a good weekend for my Seahawks. Evans and Brown had a lot of yards for their teams. Uh, Marquise Brown for the for the uh, Baltimore Ravens and Mike Evans for the Bucks uh, made a lot of plays in key moments. Marquise Brown was has always kind of been there for Lamar Jackson. 
Um, with some of those guys taken in that draft class, I think it was the 2019 draft class that Marquise Brown went. You know, there's some guys below him, but you know he he te- typically tends to show up when Lamar Jackson needs him too. I think they're still going to go hunting for another wide receiver one this offseason, but Marquise Brown definitely looked good this weekend. And Juju Smith-Schuster maybe had his stats padded a little bit at the end of the game when Cleveland was really just playing prevent defense. Um, but, you know, Juju was kind of showing up the entire game, so I will say that he had a good weekend. And then for the tight ends, Austin Hooper for Cleveland caught a touchdown pass. So did Eric Ebron. Cam Brayton, Logan Thomas just making plays up and down the field for the Bucks and the Washington football team. And Jack Doyle had a great game for the Indianapolis Colts. So a good weekend for those tight ends. And then my teams that I thought had the best weekend, I'm going to give it to the Cleveland Browns, number one, given their first, getting their first playoff win since 1994. Uh, number two, the Ravens. You know, they lost to these Titans last year. Um, and to come back and beat them and to have Lamar be successful in many ways and to have their defense get takeaways and really for their defense to shut down Derrick Henry the way they did was so impressive. So I thought the Ravens had a great weekend. Um, so they're number two. The Bills, number three, beaten, winning close with a young quarterback and a talented team versus Phillip Rivers, who, let's be honest, played well and didn't really make any mistakes. Missed a couple throws, but he didn't turn the ball over. Um, So I thought the Bills played well. They kept it close, and they won, and that's a big, big deal in the playoffs. And then the Bucks, number four, and the Saints, number five. The Bucks um, played well against a good defense, like I said. Played well on offense. Played well enough on defense. You don't really want to see your second or third quarterback, or even fourth for the Washington football team, play that well. Um, but you know, there's definitely there's cause for concern a little bit, I think, on that Bucks defense. But their offense played well, and that front seven is going to get the Buccaneers out of a lot of problems that they might have on the back end of their defense. Um, but so, but I did think, regardless of all that, the Buccaneers had a good weekend, and so did the Saints. Um, you know, they really did leave the Bears to three points all game um, on defense. They're one of the best defenses in the league, and they played really well on offense, really dynamic, as I said, with Breeze and Kamara. Um, but, yeah, number five, the Saints, you know, like I said, they really gave Chicago, they really let Chicago score three points all game. That last second walk-off touchdown, literally walk-off for Jimmy Graham. He just walked out of the stadium. Um, but, yeah, they, they played well all day. So that nine points um, is still a small amount for the playoffs. It was even smaller in actuality. So, yeah, that's my Tyler's top five with a twist, my top wildcard performers. And now I want to talk a little bit about Doug Peterson, who was just fired by the Philadelphia Eagles this morning, um, probably yesterday when you're watching this or whenever. But, uh, you know, today's January, let's say January 11th. So um, it's, it's a big, uh, big move by the Philadelphia Eagles, and I want to compare it to the Doc Rivers situation. Um, Doc Rivers, a coach that is highly respected, uh, that you think you can win with, that has won before. I'm not entirely sure. I think Doc has a ring, at least as an assistant. Um, But, you know, Doug Peterson won the Super Bowl three years ago with a backup quarterback. But there's just been too much that has gone wrong. Uh, Carson Wentz regressed. Uh, He kind of handled that situation interestingly. Uh, It's going to be hard for them to get out of, uh, kind of get out of the, uh, get out of that contract. Jalen Hurts looked good. But then, you know, the benching, the Sudfeld, and just some interesting interesting calls. You thought Philadelphia had more talent than what they did, finishing fourth place when a lot of team, when a lot of guys predicted them to go first and make it into the playoffs in that division. Um, and, you know, so I'm not entirely surprised, but it's kind of a, it's a um, big coach uh, with a talented team that underperforms, and I think he can 
put that towards Doc Rivers and Doug Peterson. So he's out. Uh, Doc had no no problem finding a job, and it sounds like the Jets might be an interesting um, uh, candidacy for Doug Peterson. Sounds like the GM and uh, and Doug Peterson have an interesting relationship, a good one, and you know that might be the offensive guru, Justin Fields or Sam Darnold or Zach Wilson needs whoever's a quarterback there next year. Deshaun Watson, maybe who knows? We'll talk about that. Um, so yeah, that's how I feel about the Doug Peterson move. Uh, still fresh, still new. Um, it sounded like there was a report that came to my Bleacher Report app that said he didn't like being told what to do. Um, so maybe being a head coach isn't for him if he can't be told what to do because he's not the owner, he's not the GM. So he's going to have to get used to that. But if he has a good relationship with this GM in New York, maybe that's a good place for him. Now talk a little bit about the games we saw this weekend, the games we'll look forward, and then we'll talk about Deshaun Watson, potential trade destinations, teams that will go for him and teams that won't. So this weekend, just um, you know, a storyline or so from each game, Indianapolis versus Buffalo. Was this Phillip Rivers' last game? certainly seemed that way but then again you can go back to last year with the chargers where that you know post-game press conference at the end of the year after they missed the playoffs um you know he's saying i want to be remembered as someone that just always did whatever he could to win um and it kind of sounded like you know he might test free agency but it also sounds like he's kind of done like he's gonna retire and they were naming all these teams and so it seemed like he had one more year in him and then he signs with the colts and he says you know if it's a good year we might run him back for one more um i might choose to just retire or if it's a bad one, I probably will retire. I don't know how he's going to look at it. I think it was a good year. He threw the same amount of touchdown passes as he did last year and threw, I think, 10 less interceptions, which is a big deal. You know, sat behind one of the best offensive lines in football, was one of the least sacked quarterbacks in the league, had a good running back in Jonathan Taylor, um, who really came alive at the end of the season, but it's going to be good all of next year, I think. Michael Pittman made a lot of strides. T.Y. Hilton was looking good at the end of the year. Mo Ali cox Trey Burton, uh, Jack Doyle, a lot of good pass catching guys they're probably going to get more pass catchers in the offseason um so it's it kind of all depends on how philip rivers looks at it i think both are going to i think indianapolis is going to see what's out there but it wouldn't surprise me to see philip rivers back there next year and i think it wouldn't surprise me to see him retire um and i think if he if it is it he's had a great career um and it wouldn't surprise me if he gets into the hall of fame in six or seven years um josh allen also noteworthy in that game uh Played poorly in the playoffs last year and this year totally put that to rest and played very well. And then the Rams versus Seahawks. I think Seattle's been bad for a month. We've been inconsistent um, on offense. We were probably the best offense in the league, you know, weeks one through seven or eight. And we've been, you know, just average since then. We've been mediocre since then. And, you know, weeks one through eight on defense, we were one of the worst in the league. And since then, we've been one of the best. And so it would have been nice to have that weeks one through seven offense with that weeks, you know, eight through 17 defense. I mean, that's a, that's a Super Bowl winning type team. It sucks. We couldn't get it at the right time. And I listened this morning to, um, to, uh, Pete Carroll's press conference, his Monday press conference. I don't think it's his closing one, but it might be, but you know, he was just talking about the future, you know, keeping that pass rush intact, which really was one of the best in the league towards the end of the year. Um, but he's talking about running the football more, and I think the let Russ Cook experiment failed. And I hate to say that because he started so strong, but teams really figured it out, what they want to do. And I think that, you know, they have three running backs that can play. Rashad Penny coming back off of the ACL where he missed basically the entire year, played a couple snaps um, a week ago. But 
Uh, they'll have Rashad Penny coming back. Who, who knows how he's going to run off that ACL. Uh, you know, Carlos Hyde, I'm not sure how long his deal was. I think it was just a year. Wouldn't surprise me if they extended him. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if they extended Chris Carson just based on, I don't know how much money he's going to have. We don't have a whole bunch of cap room. Um, but the future of the Seahawks is unknown, but I think it's going to be kind of back to let's run the ball and set up play-action passing opportunities for Wilson. Let's not play against two high safeties the entire game, which even Pete Carroll spoke to today. Um, so Seattle's been bad for a month. I should have seen this coming. I still predicted them to win. It might be a little bit of blind faith, but who knows. Rams, Seahawks, um, the future of the Seahawks is kind of up in the air right now. Obviously, the coaches, for the most part, will be back and Russell Wilson. And there's some good pieces, some good young pieces, but there's a lot that we do not know. Tampa Bay versus Washington. We'll talk about it with Deshaun Watson. There's a couple teams in the league that just have all the pieces right, um, except for quarterback, and I see that in Washington. Taylor Heineke played well. I don't think anyone thinks that's sustainable into next year. Uh, maybe Alex Smith is back as the bridge quarterback. Maybe Kyle Allen's a bridge quarterback for a younger guy that they draft. You know, a Trey Lance, a Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, who knows. But Washington definitely needs a quarterback this offseason. And then it brings up the question of the Bucks for real. Um, I don't really know. You know, Washington coming into this game was 7-9. So there's still the question of can they beat actual winning teams. Uh, you know, struggled. At the, at the beginning of the year, it was kind of the Brady and no preseason, no OTAs thing. But some teams weren't phased by that. The Browns really weren't. Um, so you got to ask questions about the Bucks still. Um, the defense they just played and beat, though, definitely helps that conversation a little bit. But we still got to see it against New Orleans next week, which is an interesting matchup. We'll talk about that. Baltimore versus Tennessee. I think the main storyline is Derrick Henry gets shut down again. There's a certain way to play Derrick Henry. Um, and Green Bay did it really well, as I talked about on this podcast a couple weeks ago, and Baltimore did it. You got to commit a couple guys to him. You got to shadow him. You got to um, really just mock him in every movement, and uh, you know, just kind of always know where Derrick Henry's at on the field, and always have a couple of guys committed to just him because of how good he is. So he definitely did not look like a 2,000 yard rusher this year. He's kind of the Robin Hood, I'd say, the NFL, um, where you you know Robin Hood robbed from the rich and gave to the poor. It's kind of the flip for him. He gave to the rich and robbed the poor. You know, looked really, really good running the ball. Had a couple 200-yard games against bad defenses. And then against the good defenses, kind of gets shut down. Or the right defensive coaches kind of knew how to stop him. And that's commit a lot of guys to him. And so it's another week where they did that really nicely. And he's just kind of a inconsistent player. He's totally, totally good. And he has, it's kind of the Devonta Adams thing. Um, except it's kind of more... Um, more dramatic on each side some days he is 200 plus yards and someday he's 80 yards on more carries in the 80 yard game than he had in the 200 yard game so it's kind of hard to see which Derrick Henry's going to show up but I think it all comes down to what defense he plays Chicago versus New Orleans Mitchell Trubisky's future is up in the air I think both sides are going to test free agency wouldn't surprise me if they're back next year um, but you know who knows where Trubisky's going he looked pretty good he got the Nickelodeon MVP we still got to talk about that um, and then, you know, on the New Orleans side, this is Breeze's one last ride, and I think this is the perfect team to do it with. They have a top-five defense, in my opinion, no doubt. They have probably the most dynamic offense in the league where they have good tight ends, they have good receivers, they have good backs, and they have good quarterback play. they got three guys who can play quarterback, let's be honest. Um, they've got two to three really good running backs. Ty Montgomery stepped in and looked really good uh, last week. Kind of surprising that he was inactive, but, you know, if he can't play special teams. But, you know, they got Montgomery – um, Latavius Murray, Alvin Kamara, and then you got 
just you got you got really good players everywhere for New Orleans. So if this is Breeze's last ride, which I think we all expect him to retire after this year, uh, I think this is the right team to do it with. Cleveland versus Pittsburgh. Big Ben's four interceptions, you know, versus his 500 yards, and now it kind of pegs the question: Does Ben retire? Uh, you know, the comments he made at his post game press conference. Do you feel like it could go either way? He's going to talk to his family, but it wasn't. Uh, I mean, there's a time and place to make these announcements. Peyton Manning didn't say after the Super Bowl that he was retiring. He waited a while. Um, but you know, does he look at the at the low parts and the four interceptions, or does he look at the high part and say, you know, we went on a winning streak. I had 500 yards and four touchdowns in my last game. Um, an interesting group. At least I got a playoff game. Uh, Colin Coward brought up something very interesting is, um, you know, the the season is going to be 17 games next week, next year, sorry. And, you know, starters usually play in the preseason one game because there will probably be a preseason next year. They'll figure it out. And then, so, you know, Ben plays one preseason game, plays 17 regular season games. Pittsburgh's so good everywhere that they're going to find a way to get into the playoffs. You know, does he play a wild card weekend? Maybe they win and does he go to the division round? Can Big Ben actually play 20 games next year? You know, 20 games in 23 weeks? I highly doubt it. Um, so, Big Ben, I think he's done. I think he's going to retire. You know, uh, an interesting game to go out on, but I just don't think he can sustain this for 20 games next year because he barely sustained it for 16. They fell apart when he fell apart towards the end of the year. All right, so that is how I looked at everything, Cleveland versus Pittsburgh. Also, just a side note, Cleveland versus Pittsburgh, Baker Mayfield has absolutely arrived. We talk about it with my quarterback rankings at the beginning, my quarterback top five. I mean, to play through adversity, to not have your head coach, to not having a starting guard, uh, to missing guys, to not having the greatest secondary um, to get you the ball back. Um, just such a, a big performance from Baker Mayfield there. Uh, and I'm just so happy for him. He has totally arrived. He's a franchise quarterback. Now I want to talk about Deshaun Watson um, and potential trade destinations. You know, over the last week, it's kind of come out uh, that Deshaun Watson has started to talk about a trade. And then it also has come out that uh, – he was told that he'd have a part in the GM hiring and then had no part in it and found out through social media. And then it was told that he has a, that he would have a part in the head coaching decisions. And he gave a list of guys and apparently they weren't considered. He wants Eric B which if a team has a young quarterback should absolutely look at Eric B and say, we got to interview this guy. Instead they're, you know, they're interviewing Ravens, assistant head coaches and Ravens wide receiver coaches. I got to find this. I got a bleacher report notification of who they are interviewing Houston to interview Baltimore wide receivers coach. Texans are expected to interview Ravens assistant head coach slash wide receivers coach, David Coley for their head coaching vacancy. You are interviewing the Baltimore wide receivers coach, which the wide receiver position for the Baltimore Ravens is their weakness. You're interviewing that coach and you're not interviewing Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid's offensive coordinator. I mean, Doug Peterson is out as the Eagles coach, but there's been so many successful coaches from Andy Reid. Just being in a room for two to three years with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid already qualifies you in so many ways to be a head coach and have the potential to be a head coach. He at least deserves the opportunity. He's going to get it. And so if you're a young quarterback wants Eric Bieniemy, you should absolutely go out and at least interview him. At least give him the time of day. Uh, I don't have an issue if you're not going to involve your young quarterback in those decisions. I think you should. So, but I don't, I don't have a massive issue if you don't. 
but I do have a massive issue if you tell him that he's going to be involved and then you don't involve him. Like, that's not right. I see where Deshaun Watson's coming from. I see why he's pissed off. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic. But I want to talk about teams that I think could potentially pull the trigger uh, on a Deshaun Watson trade. So I have seven teams that won't, and then I have five that might be desperate enough, and then I have six that are wild cards that could go either way. So my teams that won't, that are so solid with their current franchise quarterback that they're not even going to consider it, that's the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, the Bengals with Joe Burrow, the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence in the first pick, the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, the Chargers with Justin Herbert, and the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, and eventually Jordan Love. So those teams won't, not even in the conversation. The five teams that might be desperate enough are the Jets, who have the second pick and Seattle's first-round pick this year, and Sam Darnold, and they could package those three and say, here you go, and Deshaun Watson can go the other way. The Broncos have basically every piece right, and they got a good defense. You know they could use one more corner, but more more than a corner, which you can find in free agency, you need a quarterback. I could see them packaging. You know, um, their, their top ten pick, I think it's number nine, you know, Drew Locke, a future first, a second, and I think that'd be worth it to him because, you know, there's a when healthy, there's this is a really good team. They got a good offensive line, they've got three or four good receivers, they've got a good tight end and Noah Fant, they've got a good defensive line, good linebackers, two good safeties, uh, you know, a really good corner. They need one more corner and they need a quarterback. And I think uh the corner is the less desperate issue. So I can see the Broncos being desperate enough. The Bears might be maybe correcting. Maybe Ryan Pace corrects his mistake from a couple years ago. And then the football team and the 49ers. Those are three teams that have a lot of talent everywhere but don't have um, quarterback right yet, we think. Uh, I, I really like the 49ers pick. Good defense to get them the ball back. Good offensive line. Some good pass catchers. Two or three good running backs. Um, a really good offensive coordinator and head coach in Kyle Shanahan. Uh, so I like the 49ers a lot for Deshaun Watson. That I think that'd probably be my favorite place. And it seems like that they haven't. They, there's a way for them to opt out of the Garoppolo contract. It seemed like it was really difficult for them to do that last year, but it seems like now they're at a point where they could get off pretty much scot-free without Jimmy Garoppolo. And so I think they'll definitely explore that. Now my six teams, not going to go into too much analysis, but these six teams are wild cards. They have outside chances, but still are in the play for Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, it might not be the perfect situation. They might have a guy right now that they like, that they think is the future, or they think they might be in place to potentially get a franchise quarterback in free agency or the draft, or at least a bridge guy until they find the next one. Um, but I wouldn't rule out Deshaun Watson going to any of these teams. The Dolphins, they might they might like Tua, they might not. You know, they have the third pick. You know, they it might there might be a trade. That's that's been a team that's been talked about lately. You know, the Patriots, they might like Stidham. You know, you never know if they bring back Cam Newton. I don't think they will. Uh, the Steelers, kind of depending on, you know, Big Ben holds the cards from a cap standpoint. Uh, the Colts with Phillip Rivers, what's he going to do? The Saints, Breeze is probably done after this year. And the Panthers, Bridgewater is not on a huge contract, so they could get out of that, and they have a couple of high draft picks this year. So those are teams that, you know, Dolphins, Patriots, Steelers, Colts, Saints, and Panthers, I wouldn't totally rule out. And then the rest of the teams, the ones I didn't name, I don't think are just, they're not in the right situation to go after Deshaun Watson. Then I want to look at the divisional round and send you on your way. I looked at key factor for the upcoming four games. I looked at quarterback play. I looked at coaching. I looked at location. And I just looked at kind of the position by position breakdown, uh, what, what teams are better in certain areas and how important are those certain areas. So for Cleveland at Kansas City, I don't think the location affects the game. Both are Midwest teams. 
you know, two good coaching staffs, really. Um, but I think Kansas City has the advantage with Eric Reed and Steve Spagnola and Eric Bieniemy. I think Kansas City also has a better quarterback play. I think both are franchise quarterbacks, Mayfield and Mahomes. I think Mayfield's pretty good to good. And I think Mahomes is uh, is great to exceptional. Uh, I would say Cleveland has the advantage at running back on the offensive line, at linebacker, and I think you could make an argument for D-line with some of the guys they have inside and Miles Garrett. Kansas City does have the advantage at quarterback, wide receiver, and tight end, which is kind of a punch to the gut because of how good those positions are. And I think at cornerback and safety they do as well, so that can be problematic for the Browns, so I'll take Kansas City. Baltimore, Buffalo, both are cold-weather teams, so the location does not affect the game. Uh, you know, two great coaching staffs, but I think Buffalo has three head coaches, Leslie Frazier, Brian Dayball, and, and the actual head guy, Sean McDermott, all, three great coaches. So I'm going to give Buffalo the advantage there, but you know, Baltimore has good coaches as well. We're at the point in the playoffs where every team has good coaches. There's two great quarterbacks, but I like Allen Moore. Um, I think Buffalo's strengths lie at, at quarterback, at wide receiver on the offensive line and at corner and safety where Baltimore's strengths are at running back, tight end, on the defensive line, and a linebacker. And Buffalo's strengths versus the Ravens' strengths are kind of how they've built their team. We're going to be good with Josh Allen. We're going to be good with Diggs, Beasley, and Brown. We're going to block really well, and we're going to have a couple of good – we're going to have a good secondary. And Baltimore, you know, they've got two or three good running backs. Uh, They've got two or three good tight ends, and that's kind of how they've built it. We're going to have some athletic tight ends that can run block really well, that can also catch it. Uh, we're going to have J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, and Lamar Jackson to run the football. And then we're going to have a good front seven. We're going to have good defensive linemen and linebackers. And that's where their strengths are in this game for me. And, you know, they're going to stop the run and they're going to put pressure on the quarterback. And so Baltimore is well built in one way. And Buffalo, and I think the exact opposite way, is built well. So it's kind of strengths meeting up with other teams' strengths in this game. Two, two very successful teams from the AFC that are built very differently. And I'm so excited to see it because of how these two teams are built and how kind of opposites are attracting here. So the Rams at Green Bay, I think Lambeau is going to give Goff and the Rams fits. Uh, you know, the run game of the Rams is successful, and that can work in most every and most all conditions. You know, two good coaching staffs. I think I like the Rams coaching staff more. Uh, quarterback play, Goff versus Rodgers is not remotely close. The Rams, I think, actually do stack up well. I think it's really the league's best offense in the Green Bay versus the league's potentially best defense. Um, in this case, you know, the Packers defense has shown the ability to, especially in the secondary, uh, to play good, and the Rams have looked inconsistent. So I think it's uh, a really good side of the ball for one team, uh, you know, offense and defense, and then the other side of the ball for those teams is kind of average or mediocre. Um, but I'll take the Green Bay Packers here, you know, in the conditions. Aaron Rodgers versus Goff, a lot of times when two teams are close, um, when strengths kind of match weaknesses for both se- for both teams, you can narrow it down to quarterback play. And I don't think Goff versus, Ramod- versus Aaron Rodgers um, is even a competition. So I'll give it to Green Bay. Then Tampa Bay and New Orleans, kind of a bad matchup again for the Buccaneers, their third time playing them. Uh, you know, the Dome's going to be great for both quarterbacks, but especially it helps Breeze. You know, Brady can throw in bad conditions, but Breeze can't. So Breeze will be in his element, and it's going to be a good quarterback matchup for those two guys at the top of all the major categories. Uh, you know, for quarterback play currently, you know, both are playing well. I think Brady at this point is better, and he can just do everything, um, and he can do more than Breeze can. You know, Tampa Bay for me is better at quarterback, wide receiver, and tight end, and I think it's pretty close on the defensive line and the offensive line. Meanwhile, I think New Orleans is better on the offensive line. I think they're better at running back, linebacker, corner, and safety. 
so I'm definitely looking forward to to this matchup, round three. It's going to be competitive. It's going to be closer because Brady performed so well in the playoffs. But I want to say this about Drew Brees. When he is determined, and I think I think we all know, I think it's kind of, um, you know, last year was more of a question mark. I think this is it. Um, I think this is Brees' last season um, in the NFL. And I want to talk about when Brees is determined, I mean, you better get the hell out of his way. And I want to uh, I want to mention one game as a as, as evidence to that. When Drew Brees broke the all-time passing touchdowns record, uh, it came against the Indianapolis Colts, and Brees needed I think four touchdowns to t- to I think he needed three actually to to beat Peyton Manning's record. Um, you know it was it was week thirteen I believe week thirteen or fourteen. And they were playing against the Indianapolis Colts. And I just remember Drew Brees needed three touchdown passes. So, you know, he could have uh, averaged his way through the game. He could have gotten it the next week, but he wanted it. And he needed it. And he went 29 of 30 for 307 yards and four touchdowns to get the record. So just to get the passing touchdowns record, he set the single game completion percentage record in NFL history. Uh, it's like 97% completion. He threw one incomplete pass on 30 attempts because he was after that record. He was determined, and he didn't let anything get in his way. And that that speaks to Breeze as a pro, um, as someone who's determined, and I think he will be determined to, uh, to go out on top. So I'm going to take New Orleans in this game, leaving the NFC Championship to be Green Bay versus New Orleans in Lambeau, which is going to be an interesting game. And Kansas City... Um, and Buffalo, you know, Buffalo playing in a little bit warmer weather in the Midwest rather than on the East Coast. And, you know, I think I'm still going to go with Buffalo over Kansas City. And I think I'm going to go, God, it's New Orleans, Green Bay is so hard to predict. Uh, like I said, Breeze can't really throw in the weather. And it's, I mean, it could be snowy at Lambeau, but I think you activate Ty Montgomery for that game and you have Latavius Murray, and Alvin Kamara and Ty Montgomery all running the ball efficiently, all getting 10-plus carries. You know, uh, Kamara and Murray getting more, but Montgomery has a change of pace back. And, you know, Breeze still throwing that those dink and dunks, not throwing the ball downfield, but, I, I mean, he can still throw screens, and he can still throw, um, you know, 5- to 10-yard slants to a healthy Michael Thomas. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to look at it. I'm starting to think, could New Orleans change their team? I think they absolutely could. Could they, you know, run all over the Green Bay defense? Because they, because Green Bay, rather than preparing for one running back and Derrick Henry and, and committing a whole lot of guys to him, um, could they get out of that game and say, you know, Kamara hold, carried the ball 25 times and averaged four yards a carry, and Latavius Murray, Murray got the ball 13 times for an average, you know, three and a half yards of carry and Ty Montgomery caught, you know, six passes and Kamara caught five and Latavius Murray caught two. And, you know, Michael Thomas caught five or six slants for first downs and Emmanuel Sanders caught a couple of shallow crossers and ins and outs. And they struggled their way through that game. And now they get to go to Florida and play in the Super Bowl. I, I think I'd give it to New Orleans. I think anymore, I think my Super Bowl pick would be New Orleans Buffalo. Um, I think at that point I'd give it to New Orleans. I I think New Orleans might be the Super Bowl pick live on the podcast right here. I think I might have just changed my mind on Green Bay. I, I think I might go with New Orleans to win it all right now.
Breeze is that determined and is that good. And I think if he can struggle his way, you know, Breeze has one game for the rest of his life. It's like that Tebow speech. You got 30 minutes for the rest of your life. For Breeze, you got 60 minutes for the rest of your life. Can you go into Lambeau and just perform one time in the cold weather, please, at the end of your career? Too legendary of your career to, to not go out on top. And so I think Breeze could pull it out. And I think these three running backs in New Orleans could do the job. Um, and they and they could play the, the biggest part in the game. And I think that I think that could be a matchup nightmare for the Green Bay Packers, having to prepare for three different running backs. Um, and, and Drew Brees being able to comfortably play his dink and duck offense. I think I might just pick the Saints to win it all at this point. Live on the podcast, you saw it here first. New Orleans is my Super Bowl pick. I think that's a pretty good way to end. This has been the Call the Audible podcast. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Might have the Spike King on at some point this week to talk to talk everything NFL, to talk Patriots. So tune in for that. Potentially, uh, it's going to happen here at some point. Might be this week. Might be next week. We'll see. But thank you so much for listening, supporting. Um, this has been the Call the Audible podcast. See you next time.